Well, it's great to see everyone here today. Uh, I am excited, as Pastor Troy just said, to be in the final week of our Heart for the House series. This is a one-time-a-year season where we set aside for a moment the messages that are designed to lift and build and encourage us, and we focus ourselves in this season as a church on our outreach towards others. And so it's been an incredible series so far. We've actually given a four-week lead-up to today, which is our Heart for the House miracle offering that once a year we take over and above all that we're, our regular giving, our regular tithe, and we give a once-a-year Heart for the House offering. And this morning we've got a radical goal through our two services of raising $100,000 for the kingdom of God to not just do stuff in this house, but to feed people and to rescue people. And you'll see our vision video in just a couple of moments. So we're, we're excited about that. But I just want to say this. If you're a guest here, um, I would invite you to just sit back and enjoy what we believe to be one of the miracles of our church. There's no pressure whatsoever for you to participate in any way. Today you actually just get to watch and experience our heartbeat as a church, how we lean and how we focus and how we think about other people. And so over the next few minutes as we dive into that vision video, you can just enjoy and watch what we're about as a church. And if you're kicking the tires on church, what a great day to be here together with us. For four weeks, we've given you an opportunity to participate or to get ready for what God would have you do. I've got our envelope ready for what we're going to give today. And over the next few minutes as we watch this video, you can prepare that. And it'll actually be after the video that the guys put online giving options up on the screen. We know that more than 50% of you give online. And so uh, those options will be available to you in just a moment. But I want to first show you our vision video. And I want you to capture the heartbeat of this house. This video explains who we are as a church, some of the things that we're doing, but of course, big vision for what God's yet to do. Let's check this out. I believe wholeheartedly that every person matters. The Bible says that God is building us as a house and he's building us brick by brick. And that means that every one of us is significant for somebody else. And it means that God is always focused on the one. And it means Resonate Church isn't just a collection of people, that we are God's house. Heart for the House is our once a year miracle offering where we bring something of sacrifice, believing that what we bring will enable us to reach to the one. In the 21 months since we launched Resonate Church, God has been constantly expanding our vision in four key lanes we believe God's called us to run in. Building our church, our community, our nation, and the world. And in this year's Heart for the House, I'm excited to share next level vision where we see God calling us in each of these four lanes He's given us to run in. Since launch last year, we've partnered with International Justice Mission in their work to eradicate cyber sex slavery in the world. The fight to eradicate slavery is a fight the church belongs in. Let's watch this. One of the commodities available in the internet is the exploitation of children. 
cybersex trafficking is a modern-day form of slavery. They are able to demand the type of sexual abuse that they would want to see on camera. With $100, I can get kids that are under five years old to be abused by an older person. All the children out there victimized by this menace. We are coming to get you. One case at a time, cyber sex trafficking will come to an end. The only question is when? One investment that we believe produces never-ending returns is planting local churches. See, when we invest to plant new churches, not only are we reaching people with the love of Jesus in those cities, but those people in turn invest and give, and our investment continues on from there. This past year, we had the privilege of continuing our partnership with the Association of Related Churches, or ARC, to plant four new churches in Canada. And our investment wasn't only in dollars, but recently, because of what God's doing here at Resonate, our pastor, Pastor Shane, was invited to become a coach for ARC and coaching new church planters here in Canada. Uh, most recently in Edmonton and in Kamloops, and later on this year in Abbotsford, Windsor, and Toronto. See, these churches, what we believe is that over time are gonna give millions into missions. And so our investment continues on and on and on. I believe if Jesus were here today, he'd be present to those who are broken. And he'd meet the needs of people who find themselves in a time of need. 
This year, through our partnership with local governments and community organizations, Resonate has been there in time of need. On Serve Day, partnering with Tri-Cities Friends of Refugees to do home repairs on a townhome so a refugee family could have a place to live. Doing home repairs for a single mother experiencing a season of grief and loss. And we partner every single week with the Starfish Pack program, packing backpacks of food for kids whose families need food on the weekend. And this year we are expanding our reach. For 15 days in November, we're gonna be partnered with the Cold and Wet Weather Mat program, making close to a thousand meals for the homeless over 15 days. At Resonate, we want to nurture, equip, and empower our kids and our youth to do more for the kingdom of God than they can even imagine. Everything that we build, we build with them in mind, knowing that one day the things we build will be theirs. And so this year, through our Heart for the House, we're going to be making investments into our next generation ministry environments. We're going to be building an Our Kids Room for kids whose parents serve in one service and then attend another service. We're going to be adding a live stream of our services to the Nursing Moms Room. And we're going to be upgrading all of our Our Kids and Junior High ministry environments. I'm sitting in the Molson Canadian Theatre at the Hard Rock Casino. This is the largest venue in our city. I wonder if you can imagine all the seats behind me packed for church. Because this is what we're going to do in 16 months on Easter Sunday 2020. We are going to pack the Hard Rock. Now I want you to personalize the image. I want you to imagine that you're sitting in one of these seats behind me and sitting next to you is a loved one that's far from God. The intro video is playing. It says, you are loved, you belong, God is here. And the band starts to swell into worship. And all of a sudden, that person close to you but far from God begins to experience the presence of God. I hope your heart leaps at these thoughts. That together we're going to impact thousands of people in our city. And that everything we do is not for a crowd but for the one. This year, in year number two, our Heart for the House goal is $60,000. Just under $200 for every adult that currently attends our church on a Sunday. And of course, some will be able to give far more. Some will sacrifice greatly and give much less. All that we would ever ask is that you would take a moment and ask God what He would have you do to build His house. Because this year, stories are going to be told of lives that were changed because God's given us a heart for His house. Come on, how great was that? Can we celebrate that together as a church? You know what I love? I love that when we made that video, our goal was $60,000, and then we went to the leaders of our church, and we said, what are you believing that you're going to be able to give? And just with 23 faith cards, they said, we're going to give $59,150. 23 families or individuals from our church. They said, we hadn't even come to y'all. Yeah, and so we had, we had to reset our goal. And uh, but as you can see, God's moving. It's just like when we set a goal to start a second service on our second birthday next February, and then all of a sudden September came along and people were sitting on the stairs, and we're like, well, maybe we should start that service sooner. I love that your faith is propelling us forward as a church, causing us to dream bigger and think bigger. I don't know where you're at today, but can I father you? As a family, as a church family, I don't even know where your faith is at. Can I call us together to lift our eyes, to believe that there is more, 
to lift our eyes from looking at our shoes and thinking this life is difficult and and sometimes I'm just not even sure how I'm going to make it through the day to lift our eyes and, and see that we get to live to give. And again, this is for Resonate family. If you're visiting with us, come on, just, just sit back and watch a miracle take place. I really do believe that. In First uh, Chronicles chapter 29, there's a Heart for the House style offering, and it's led by King David. And I, I, I enjoy the way David leads into the offering. Watch this, in verse number three. He says, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, like, hashtag, I love my church. Like, David, he's wearing the t-shirt, right? He's like, I love, I love this house, man. He, he going up to Will after the service, bro, it was a good service, man. I love, I've set my affection. I, David sort of talked gangster like that, I think. David was Instagramming from church. He's like, I just love this place. Pastor's got a word this morning. Hashtag, I'm glad I'm in the house. Whatever it is. He's just pumped. He's excited. Then the people come along in verse 9. Watch what happens. The people rejoice for they'd offered themselves willing. There's something, but we just get into, in, in, not into, out of compulsion. That's why we gave four weeks. We didn't want to just show a video. We're not trying to move you with, with tears. Obviously, it's important that what we get to do is going to rescue lives. The Bible says that, that God wants you to be a decided giver. To make up your mind in advance what he, he would have you do. But watch this. David, David goes from, I love my church, and we get to do this, and let's throw a party. Watch how they receive an offering. It's not with their eyes on what they're going to do. It's, it's on their eyes on God. He says this in verse 10. Praise be to you, O Lord. Like we get to do this little thing here. We get to give a little bit, but God, it's, it's all about you. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things, and in your hands are strength and power to exalt and give strength to all. Oh, I know that we get to do this little thing over here. We get to give to you, but now to you, our God, we give you thanks, and we praise your glorious name. So, ushers, you can prepare, and the guys will put the giving options up on the screen behind me for a moment as we pray. In fact, would you stand with me all over the room? Lord, we thank you that you're about to do a miracle in this place, God, that's going to enable us to reach beyond ourselves to the one that's far from you. And now, God, we lift our eyes as we give to you today, God. We worship with thanksgiving. Come on, church, let's worship this with you. So Your prayer is your prayer. 
just getting started in what you're going to do in our lives and we say we live for you in Jesus name everybody said amen before you grab your seat this morning would you just find a couple more people just branch out a little bit go further than you did the last time slam some high fives and we'll see you back here in about 45 seconds you know <laughs> I am excited to bring this final message I, I intensely wanted to bring this one after we did the heart for the house offering because I want to talk for a second time on this idea of live to give and giving, and again, I just didn't want anyone to think that this was in some way manipulative to get you to give. No, I just, I believe God wants to, God wants to do something in our hearts today. You know, there's this interesting that happens, interesting thing that happens in our hearts when we think about giving to God. Uh, we, we think that we're the givers, right? We have this, this feeling like I'm going to give something to God. Now, what's interesting is that is that where we think we're the givers, if we could fly the scope out, we would see that we are always the receivers. We started with this passage from 1 Chronicles chapter 29. And King David and the people giving an offering to God. Historians would suggest that this was, in terms of monetary value, the single largest philanthropic gift ever given in the history of mankind. Now, you would think if you were David... <coughs> that you would have a tendency then to be like biggest giver ever, right? Like this is going to be all over. I'm, I'm just going to tell people I'm a giver. I think I'm a giver. How do I know I'm a giver? Well, you know, there's this thing about like mankind and the fact that ever since mankind began, I gave more than anyone's ever given. I would think if that was me, I would perceive myself to be generous and a giver. 
Look at the way David perceives his relationship with God. You, most of us will know this scripture. David wrote this, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? Because he's in the shepherd role and I'm always in the receiving role. And so what I want us to do this morning on this Heart for the House Sunday is I want us to see some things that God is actually going to do in response, I believe, to our giving, to your giving this morning. You see, in the Bible, God is never just simply about the gift. God never really just says, hey, I want you to give because there's this need over here. And it would be fine if he did, but that's not really what we see in the Bible. Often there is this so that that we see follow a command to give. God says, hey, I want you to give so that this thing can happen. And more often than not, the thing that he wants to happen is your life. In other words, like I'm so excited this morning that because of what we have just given, we're going to get to turn around and give a whole bunch away. I love it. We're going to take what you gave and we're just going to give a whole bunch of it away. A whole bunch of what you gave is going to go to cover the food costs at the, at the homeless shelter. A whole bunch of what you gave is going to go to IJM to, to rescue people out of slavery. A whole bunch of what you gave is going to feed kids and their families on a weekend. We're just going to, it's going to turn around. We're just going to give a whole, bunch, a whole bunch of it away. I love that we give and we meet needs. But you know what God's most excited about? He's the Bible. According to the Bible, he's most excited about what just happened in our hearts. God wants to do something. In fact, this is, this is the premise of this morning. If you're taking notes on your iPhone or, or if, you're gonna watch, if you're watching online and you're taking notes at home, whatever you're doing. My parents went to Ontario yesterday, and so they're probably going to watch the podcast at some point, although I'm going to get a whole bunch of jokes about my parents because they're not here. It's going to be so good. My parents are usually here, and uh, we'll just record the 11:15 service. That'd be great. Um, hmm. I want to talk about three things God is going to do or has already started to do in response to us as a community living to give. And I don't just mean financially. I mean living to give, like my lifestyle lives to give. Three things that God is going to do or has already started doing. And the first one is the obvious one. The first one is that God takes what we give and he uses it to become someone else's miracle. God takes your gift and he uses it to become somebody else's Miracle. This is what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. It says, He who supplies seed to the sower, this is God speaking of, or this is, this is Paul writing to the church, and he's, he's saying that God's going to supply some things. Watch this. He's going to supply seed to the sower, bread for food. Look at these words he uses to describe God. He's going to supply, he's going to increase your store of seed. He's going to enlarge your harvest of righteousness. You're going to be enriched in every way. And this is what the Bible always does. It's never just about the gift. Why? So that you can be generous on every occasion. And here's the ultimate thing God is doing. Watch this. Your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So God's going to take what you gave and he's going to use it to become someone else's miracle. Before Resonate was a church, there was a group of people at Christian Life Assembly, a church in Langley, and they said, we want to be generous and we want to start a new church. And so they gave. And because of their generosity, Resonate Church exists. And every week someone comes in and they come in looking down at the floor. And then they meet the presence of God in this place. And they leave this place saying, God, you're so good. So what they gave became your miracle. What you give becomes somebody else's miracle. Now, if that's all God wanted to do, I would be fine with that. Like if, that's, if that was the, the end point of what God wanted to do with generosity, that's totally fine with me. God, if you want to take what I give and you want it to be a miracle for somebody else and you want to get glory from that, 
I'm pretty cool with that. I would give for that reason. But God does not stop there. No. No, God goes beyond that. You see, God doesn't just take what you gave to be someone else's miracle. The second thing that God is going to do and is doing is that God uses your gift to lead to your miracle. There's a story of this in, the, in Genesis chapter 24 of a young woman whose gift leads to her miracle. Her generosity leads to her miracle. And here's the context of the story. Uh, it starts with a man by the name of Abraham. Abraham has a, a miracle boy by the name of Isaac. But Abraham gets a little bit old and Isaac's still not married. And Abe is like one of those parents that's like, I really want my boy to get married. Anybody know that kind of parent? You know, like you're going into the holiday season and you're starting to hear it already. It's like... You know, uh, Christmas is a real nice time to get engaged, you know, uh, <laughs> right? You're starting to hear it, right? Or, or did you hear that Wyatt and Emma are getting married? Oh, this is like the, what do, you, what do you call that? Passive aggressive parenting. Some of y'all have that parent right there. You know, you know, your mother and I got engaged at the holidays and oh, it was, it was so, so lovely. You know, the, the pressure parent, come on, we, we know the pressure parent. Well, that's Abe. So Abe decides that he, he's going to get his servant to go and find his son, a wife. How many are thankful we don't live in those days? Like, I wouldn't want my parents to pick a shirt for me to wear. You understand? <laughs> Abe's, Abe's like, hey, I want you to go pick. Oh, I'm just, those are not the days. Thank you, Jesus, that I did not. I love you, mom and dad. Record the 1115. Uh, I love you, mom and dad. Thank God you did not pick my spouse. So Abe wants the son to get married and the servant. Now he's got the responsibility to go find, go find. It's not even Abe doing the work. He's too old. He takes the servant. Go find my boy a wife. And the servant's feeling the heat of this, right? He's feeling a little bit of pressure. Like, this is a big responsibility. I got something important to do. I got to go find, I got to go find my master's son's wife. And so he does what we should do. He prays. Now, his prayer is a little bit weird. I don't encourage or recommend this style of praying. It's kind of like an ultimatum with God. He's like, God, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what you have to do. In general, not a good idea of how to pray. But this is what he prays. He, he, he says, God, uh, my paraphrase, by the way. We don't have this. You know, you can read it in Genesis 24, get the actual words. My paraphrase. God, I'm going to go to a well, and I'm going to ask a woman there for some water, and the one that says, I'm not just going to give you water, I'm going to give water to your camels, I'm going to take that as your sign that that's the one for this boy to marry. You know, if Isaac knew this plan, you imagine, I'd be like, bro, no, go to the well, find the most attractive woman, okay, and pray that she says yes. This whole camel feeder thing, I don't need it, bro. But there's something unique to this. There's actually something, we need to pause for a moment. This servant understood something. He understood, you know who's actually good for you? is someone who lives to give. It's someone who goes above and beyond. It's someone who gives their best and then doesn't stop. Because come on, somebody, how many people are married? You understand, you need someone that gives their best and then still gives a little bit more. You need someone that sees the need and decides that I'm not just going to meet the need, I'm going to meet more than the need. Come on, somebody, I'm going to preach a marriage message on heart for the house this morning. I see some married people clapping your hands. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if you're clapping for yourself or the person sitting next to you, but whatever it is, pretend it's the one next to you. The servant says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say I want some water. And if, if they say, I'll give, I'll give some water to the camels, well, they're going to be the one. Well, this is, watch what happens. Verse 15. 
I love these five words. Before he had finished praying. I, I, I want you to say that first word with me. You ready? One, two, three. Before he had finished praying. Uh, like This is a message for somebody here this morning. I, I think that the writer of this scripture, Moses, wants us to understand something. And it's not that God is always going to answer your prayer before you're done praying. That is here in the story, but that's not what he's trying to say. I think what he's trying to say is that we need to reorient our thinking when it comes to prayer. To shift our thinking and begin to believe that while I'm asking for the thing, I'm not merely petitioning God to start something he's not yet doing. My prayer might just be completing the work that God started years ago. Like his answer was already on the way to the well while he was praying. God might not take your gift as the thing that starts him acting. Your promise and your miracle might have already been on the way. And because of your prayers or because of your gift, God unlocks the miracle in your life. What, we, we encourage our, our small group leaders, our resonate group leaders, to pray for their people in their group every single day. Now, I understand nobody bats a thousand when we do this. It's just how we encourage them. I can be honest with you, pastoral moment. I don't pray for everybody in my group every day. I do pretty good, but it's not quite every day. But Pastor Troy and Rachel, they're in our group, and so I'm praying for them almost every single day. What if I reoriented my thinking when I was praying for them to, rather than, God, I want you to do this thing in their life, what if I could uh, perceive that God is already doing that thing, and my prayer might just bring it across the line? I think this is a word for somebody here this morning, that that God, God has already set in motion some things for your miracle. And you've been feeling like God's not here and God's not in. I'm going to give up praying. And God's like, don't give up praying. I already sent the miracle on the way. When we were thinking heart for the house and we started to, we had those faith cards and people had filled them out and we started to hear those stories like we shared. Uh, I think it was last week we shared the story of the guy who wrote the check that his wife told him to write that he didn't really want to write because it was more than he wanted to write it for. And 10 minutes later, he got an email that his company was giving him four times the amount he had just written down. And he didn't see it coming. God, I mean, he realized God had set that miracle in motion years before he made a decision to take a step of faith. Your miracle might already be in motion. Let's watch what happens. Because, because Rebecca, I think she was listening to the podcast from Live to Give. She was like, listen, um, uh, I'll draw water for your camels too. Until they've had enough to drink. So she, I love how the Bible describes her. She quickly emptied her jar into the trough. She ran back to the well. Man, she's just, she's just got this. She's a go-getter. Come on, somebody. She's like, I'm not, only gonna, I'm not only gonna feed your camels. I'm gonna do it quickly and I'm gonna do it well. She ran back to the well to draw more water. She drew enough for all his camels. And the servant asks another question. He says, is there room in your father's house for us to spend the night? And she says, We've got plenty of straw and fodder as well as room for you to spend the night. She gives her best and then some. But the the problem is, this live to give message, it it can sometimes land on us in an awkward way, right? When you feel like your life is falling apart, the live to give message can be the thing that knocks you over. Like if you feel like you're feeling a little bit unsturdy, if you feel like I've got nothing good going on in my life and all of a sudden there's this idea of live to give and you're like, man, I just wish I could get through a day without my kids murdering one another or me wanting to murder them. Like that would be a great day in our household. 
The live to give message is hard because life is hard and life is busy. Like, I can see it in some of your faces this morning. I can see the, like, the Christmas anxiety and tension is building up. And you're like, listen, man, live to give. I'd be happy if we could get our Christmas tree up before the 24th at 9 o'clock after my kids go to bed. Like, we'll be lucky to get the lights down by June. Like, we are going to be, the, we're just going to be the family that gives up and is like, just leave the lights. Just leave the lights. Honey, the lights don't even work anymore. We left them all year. They've been out for too long in the rain. Don't even worry about it. We don't even need lights. Life is hard. Life is busy. And you say, Pastor, now you're saying, live, live, live to give? Are you sure? Are you sure that's a good idea with how, man, even if you are extremely disciplined in your life, it is easy to feel depleted. But here's what I know. Here's what the Bible says and what I've discovered in my own life and from watching others. The generous don't end up broke. They end up full. Proverbs 11 says it this way, and I believe it. A generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. So God takes your gift and he uses all that you give, whether it's finances or the giving of your time, and he takes that gift and he uses it to become somebody else's miracle. But then God takes your gift and he uses it to unlock your destiny. God takes your gift and he uses it to lead to your miracle. This brings us to the final thought this morning. And it's simply this. Maybe you're here this morning and and you feel like, Pastor, you're talking about live to give, but I just don't really feel like I've got much to give. I look at my own life and I think, man, there's just, there's just no way I could give. And perhaps the reason you're feeling like there's just nothing to give is, is just that you haven't yet received from God. And I'm wondering this morning, as you're in this place and you're feeling like there's nothing to give, if, if you could realize and reorient your thinking to this, this third thought, this third idea that God lives to give. John 3.16, of course, says it, and we know it so well. For God so loved the world that he gave. See, God doesn't just ask us to live to give. He lives to give. And you say, I have, I have nothing to give to God. You know, you've got the very thing God wants today. You say, I got nothing. I got, my life is busted up and broken. That's the very thing God wants. God wants your life. He wants all of it. He wants the fullness of your heart. And so if you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I just... I don't feel like I've got anything to give. Would you, in a moment, in the, in the presence of God, just begin to believe if you would give God your life, and the fullness of who you are, that he would live to give and breathe life into you. And so God, I thank you for your presence in this place this morning on Heart for the House Sunday. I thank you that as a, as a community of people, God, that you have so changed our hearts that we don't live merely for ourselves, that we live for others. God, I pray, Lord, that in these next few moments as we, as we close our service together, God, that you would speak, you'd speak to our hearts and you'd move in our lives and you'd show us Jesus. God, that, that what we have to give you is what you're looking for today. The brokenness of our lives, the, the mess that sometimes life can be, God, if we would give you all that we have and all that we are, God, you will take that and you will make something beautiful for your name. You will make a miracle out of what we bring to you today. Maybe you're here this morning and you know that you're far from God. And the thing that you need to give to God is your heart. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. What's God want to do? God wants to save you. 
give you eternal life, forgiveness of sins. You say, how do I do that? What do I need to do? What are the steps? The steps are simply believe that God loved you so much that he would give his son to die for you, to take away all that you've done. Say, do I have to do anything? Faith and believe. God says, that's all you need. Oh, there's next steps beyond that, but salvation is a gift from God. Salvation is something that we can only receive by faith in Jesus Christ. And so if you're here in the room this morning, and the thing that you need to give God today is your life. I'm going to give you that moment in just, in just a moment's time. I'm going to ask you to do something brave before that. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. It's going to be a private moment of prayer between you and God. No one will center you out or embarrass you. We're simply going to pray a prayer. You're going to pray a prayer to God in your heart. Everyone in the room is going to pray it together. But if that's you in the room today, you'd say, yeah. Pastor, I don't, I don't want to miss this moment. Would you pray with me this morning? Today, I'm going to surrender my life to Jesus. If that's you in the room, God's speaking to your heart. Would you just slip your hand up and say, yeah, that's me. Today, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm going to give, my, I'm going to give what I have to him. I'm going to give my life. No one looking around. It's just me between you and God. You'd say, yeah, that's me today. Pastor, would you pray with me? Come on, church, let's pray this together. Maybe you raised your hand or, or you wanted to, but didn't, but today you're giving your life to Jesus. Would you pray this? Say, dear Jesus, my life is yours. My full surrender. And I choose to follow you. I believe you died and rose again so I could be forgiven and free. Help me to follow you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, can we put our hands together for those who prayed that prayer this morning?